If you're a like-minded sophisticate ready for Midnight in My Hot Tub, you owe it to yourself to listen to the Screen Pass podcast. Welcome to Screen Pass, the show about American football in popular culture. I'm Sheehan, and with me as always is just another frustrated observer, Justin Barber. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, Sheehan. How you doing? I'm doing great, because we're recording another episode of Screen Pass. This is always a highlight whenever we do it. Always fun. Look forward to it all the time. Now, we're shifting a little bit. Last episode, there was a lot of fun. We talked about a topic that we knew a lot about. Yeah. In terms of Batman, I think we probably could have done a Batman episode without any notes whatsoever. A real shift this week, and we'll come to that. You will have already read the title, and maybe you're excited because you're a massive fan of uh, Blue Thunder, the 1983 film starring the guy from (laughs) Jaws and one of the wet bandits from Home Alone. Well, good news. We're not doing that. We are doing the TV show that came (laughs) (laughs) shortly after it based on the film. I like like the big reveal there. The- TV show. <laughs> I was gonna give my opinion of the TV show and thought, well, we don't want we don't want to turn people off straight away. Yeah, yeah, no spoilers. We wanted to see how we we draft it before we get into the magnificence of Blue Thunder. I have a question for you. From I don't know if he's a listener, but um, he might be. I certainly know he's a football fan, and this comes from uh, Chuck Klosterman. This is one of his twenty-three questions I ask everyone I meet in order to decide if I can really love them. From his two thousand and three book, Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs, as the podcast resident nerd, have you read it? I have not. Mm-mm. Have you read any Chuck Klosterman? Nope, I have not. Have you? I keep meaning to buy his book on the nineties, but no, I, I haven't read any of his books. I know he shows up all the time on NFL properties. He is a big football fan. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, this is this is one of his 23 questions, and I'm going to pose it to you, and perhaps you at home can tell us what you think as well. Genetic engineers at Johns Hopkins University have developed a so-called super gorilla. Though the animal cannot speak, it has a sign language lexicon of over 12,000 words and an IQ of almost 85, and, most notably, a vague sense of self-awareness. Oddly, the creature, who weighs 700 pounds becomes fascinated by football. The gorilla aspires to play the game at its highest level and quickly develops the rudimentary skills of a defensive end. ESPN analyst Tom Jackson speculates that this gorilla would be borderline unblockable and would likely average six sacks a game, although Jackson concedes the beast might be susceptible to counters and misdirection plays. Meanwhile, the gorilla has made it clear that he would never intentionally injure an opponent. You are commissioner of the NFL. Would you allow this gorilla to sign with the then Oakland Raiders? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) At first, I thought, I'm going to lose my job. And notably, I'm still going to lose my job putting a gorilla out on the football field. (laughs) But that's just good entertainment. I mean, that is quality, (laughs) hands down, family Fun. I mean, until the gorilla really hurts someone and then <laughs> then we got to cut to commercial. But that ride, that sweet, sweet ride for maybe a quarter of football, it's going to be the best quarter of football ever. I mean, it would be incredibly entertaining. We've already covered Gus, the animal in the NFL. This feels like a step up. Maybe this is once this podcast really goes to the stratosphere, we garner enough money. We remake or oh, a sequel to Gus, maybe called Gus Rilla. <laughs> and it's this story. <laughs> 
I like it. It would take a whole football team to stop an out of control gorilla. I would think so. I mean, with that said, six sacks a game feels low. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose it is. Yeah. Gorilla's big fast. From one player. Yeah. I think that it'd be more. Yeah, for sure. Have you seen the new Jordan Peele movie? Nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, watch that and then come back with this gorilla question. <laughs> I will do. Is there a lot of uh, guerrilla football in that? No, there isn't. There is. I mean, there's no spoilers alert here. I'm not going to get into the details of it, but there is a very disturbing scene with a chimpanzee. You know, I just imagine like the gorilla has massive, massive strength. And if one of those were to ever come at you, I mean, it's game over. Uh, Really, the only thing that keeps us at the top of the food chain is our minds but that only gets you so far when you have a gorilla that's that's on the loose. So anyhow, that's it. It just popped into my head. It's topical. People listening might be like, yeah, nope. <laughs> yeah, much more topical than um, a book from nearly uh, 20 years ago. It would be cool to see a gorilla sack the quarterback and then, you know, hear gorilla radio <laughs> yeah. over the, uh, the speakers every time it happens. If the gorilla could dance. Once he did a sack, that would be fantastic too. Everyone loves it. I think famously, Gorilla's a bit more of a um, drummers rather than dancers. Yeah, that makes sense. Did you ever get the Cadbury ad with the Gorilla playing the drums in the air tonight? I don't recall that one. It seems vaguely (laughs) familiar. Fantastic ad. And even better than that is the uh, Gorilla Suvlaki Hut ad. And if you've not seen that, then I encourage everyone to to go and have a look at that starring um, Anthony Kudafidis. Anyway, so you are you're letting the gorilla play? I'm letting him play. Let's go. It's a very Al Davis move, I think, to have a gorilla play. And the Raiders noted for having a lot of firsts in the NFL, yep. being very progressive, and I think maybe the first animal player since the California Adams, of course, had a, a donkey at kicker. As always, we are part of 32-bit, and if you, spoiler alert, like watching weird shit from yesteryear, then check out Show to Be Named Later, hosted by our close personal friend and NFL identity, Marcus Grant. Follow at 32bit on Twitter and 32bit on YouTube to never miss an episode from MG and any of the other great shows on the network. Now, with that in mind, let's hit Blue Thunder. That's not the theme song. Well, let's start with that. What did you think of the theme song? Fantastic. <laughs> It was very 80s. So 80s. It's just what you'd expect. You know what I mean? <laughs> and the opening of it with the helicopter, with the setting sun, was very Miss Saigon. Yep. Very Vietnam War. I had the theme. Oh, it's... That on repeat. So uh, good luck having that in your head. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to clip that one in. Yes, we are talking about Blue Thunder, the 1984 TV show based on the 1983 film of the same name. It stars none of the people from the film. In fact, it's James Farentino as Frank Cheney, Dana Carvey as Clinton Jaffo Wonderlove. That's his name, Clinton Wonderlove. 
Right. Uh, Bubba Smith as Bubba Kelsey and Dick Butkus as Richard Ski Butkowski. They didn't really go too far off from their names. Bubba Smith is literally named Bubba in the series. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and yeah, Dick Butkus called, well, we find out in one of the episodes, watch his name is Richard. So um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really pushed the boat out there. The underlying premise of the TV show, an advanced prototype police helicopter and its ground support crew battle crime in the fictional River City. What did you think? Maybe we should start with covering the movie a little bit. Just glaze over that a little bit. As you mentioned, the previous year to this show, there was a movie called Blue Thunder by the same name, which starred uh, Roy Schneider. Roy Schneider! Um, not Rob Schneider, uh, Roy Schneider from Jaws, uh, a very young Daniel Stern, which is Marv from Home Alone, as well as the narrator's voice in Wonder Years. Mm. A little early seven degrees of separation there. Wonder Years starred Fred Savage, and he's come up surprisingly a lot in our podcast. Yeah, definitely. He was an, right? I mean, he was an actor in The Princess Bride, which that book came up in our literary football podcast he directed the always sunny episode we did on our podcast and he's been in family guy so little connection there to daniel stern but the movie itself was number one in the box office that opening weekend you and i are too young to know this movie know that the impact it had on the world But it seems like the 80s and 90s were pretty common when a movie had any kind of remote success. Immediately, they'd come out with a TV series or a cartoon or something like that. We discussed that a lot in our Police Academy podcast. Yeah. But- it just seemed to be the thing to do. It's like, oh, movie did well. Let's let's get what we can out of this. Let's bleed the stone dry. <laughs> so that's how this whole thing got invented. You know, it was a movie that came out. I'm assuming it did well. It's 78% on Rotten Tomatoes, but the audience score is 52%. Yep, made $42 million on a budget of $22 million, so... Basically washed its face, if not slightly better. Yeah, there you go. So, anywho, that's that. And then the following year, they came out with this with a, as you had already said, a whole new cast. Yeah, it's quite the leap. They use the same helicopters they do in the movie. That's really where the similarities ends, as far as I can tell. I've not seen the movie. I assume you haven't either. No, I watched the trailer just to get a feel for it. Same overall concept. It's like a high technology helicopter that the police force uses. You know, it's got this Gatlin gun on it and it's got a quiet mode and it can hear things from really far. It can shoot the gun out of a man's hand, which we found yeah. in our episode. <laughs> it's <laughs> and we'll get to. It's definitely if you need it to do something, it can do that. There's infrared sensors it's it's just ridiculous technology right it's like kit from knight rider without the cool talking i was gonna say that's of this era where you've got the ultimate crime fighting car you had airwolf around the same time as this you had street hawk in 1985 where you have a motorbike that's the ultimate crime fighting tool right if you're scratching your head wondering why you've never heard of this It was cancelled after 11 episodes, and I'm not going to say it was 11 too many, but (laughs) it feels about right. Yeah, yeah. It seems a bit justified there. This show had a very A-team vibe to it. 
Yep. But it just didn't have enough for longevity. Like, if this show came out tomorrow, which it wouldn't, but you could see that it wasn't going to last that long. Well, it's funny you say it's not going to come out tomorrow. They've been talking about a remake of the movie. This is exactly the sort of thing I think you would see on TV now as a remake of an 80s show. I know they've tried it with Magnum. They've tried it with- MacGyver. MacGyver. Uh, Miami Vice, I think, as well, yep. where they just kind of maybe even a new Night Rider. They just kind of update it with it. You know, you'd have the the cop who doesn't play by the rules, and the the grizzly right. chief, and the the sassy young guy, and the kind of the muscle. And and they're the characters we have. We have James Farantino, who very much looks like a home brand version of Robert De Niro. That's exactly what I thought too. A little <laughs> a different nose, but he definitely has a Robert De Niro, like young Robert De Niro vibe. And I felt bad for him because he's quite good in this. He's certainly very magnetic. I had a look. He was in a, a lot of shows that never really got off the ground for one reason or another. Um, so yep. I felt a bit bad. I have a vague recollection. He also wasn't a great bloke, so maybe I don't feel that bad for him. Yeah. We've got a very young Dana Carvey in this, as I say, is Clinton Wonderlove. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's the, uh, well, they kind of put a lot into his character and not a lot at the same time. Like Dana Carvey was like the kid, he's supposed to be a computer whiz. Basically, he's the other guy in the helicopter. Yeah. And he provides like a minor comic relief he's a prankster i mean it's a very young dana carvey very young dana carvey he's like 22 or 23 or something i think yeah. that's how he's 24 in the show i would be surprised if he's older than that in real life yeah for sure and you get a bit of a cool vi guy vibe from him and a bit of a nerd at the same time it was weird how they did it i he almost had going back to police academy he almost had that mahoney role but just not a stud. Yeah. He's supposed to be the nerd, but as you say, he's also kind of the comic relief guy. I mean, he's not doing like church lady. Yeah. Um, but he does, uh, in the first episode, he does his Jimmy Stewart impression, which he still does do now. Absolutely. He does a couple of other impressions. Uh, we will get to Jimmy Stewart. Don't you worry. That's, that's one in my wheelhouse. But it's sort of like- you say Mahoney, a bit of Alex P. Keaton. He's the nice guy, but he's the cool guy and he's the prankster. And it, like, he's a real rad 80s dude in a sense. Right. Yeah. He's got the hipper clothes. He rides a motorcycle. I don't know if you said that. Did you say that? <laughs> no, he, but he, he certainly does. He, he rides a motorcycle, <laughs> um, but he also has a like a kid vibe to him as well. Um. Hmm. So he's the one that's always kind of looking to the captain being like, we can't do that or trying to pull a prank. It's strange because it's too mild to be a full personality. The character mm. Dana Carvey. I'm a fan of I'm, I like Dana Carvey quite a bit, but this character is just a little too mild to not quite be a thing he's not a nerd he's mm. not you know mahoney what do you think of david dana carvey well while we stop by let's just talk about him incredible sketch comedian yes if i was to sit down and put together my all-time saturday night live cast i think he would probably be on there uh and speaking of saturday night live being on there the little guide to saturday night live should be on your bookshelf available at all good books desert christmas written by uh, yours truly I'm a big fan of him. As say, Church, his most famous character, he did that on his Saturday Night Live debut. He did um, Chopping Broccoli on his Saturday Night Live debut. Just yep. an absolute all-time. My lady, she went downtown. 
bought some broccoli. She brought it home. She's chopping broccoli. Chopping broccoli. Chopping broccoli. She chopping broccoli. She chopping broccoli. She chopping broccoli. She chop. She chopping broccoli. The first President Bush, he was super famous for as well, the Naganda. And he had a good impersonation of him, but his demeanor was really good. And that's kind of hard to get. A lot of times you can get someone that does a really good voice or they get the personality. Mm. And he had mushed those two together perfect. He was a great uh, George Bush senior. His Jimmy Stewart. Or James Stewart. Do you say James or Jimmy? I always go with Jimmy. I go with Jimmy too. I feel at this at this point, he and I are familiar enough that that I could roll with with Jimmy. <laughs> There's a fa- uh, a fantastic. I think it's documentary called like Too Good to Fail or something like that about the Dana Carvey show, where it is Dana Carvey had Steve Carell writing for him. I think Bob Odenkirk was a writer. All these fantastically talented people, and the show just didn't get off the ground. But one of his bits. I think from that, or, may- or maybe predating, was his Tom Brokaw impression, where the conceit is Tom Brokaw is going away for the summer holidays and is recording all these news events about presidents dying uh, so they can play him while he's away on his summer holiday. And you've got, President Gerald Ford was <laughs> tragically eaten by wolves today. Right, I remember that. I remember that. Tragedy today is former President Gerald Ford was eaten by wolves. He was delicious. Oh, wait, that's just superfluous. Right, it's a former president, Tom. What are you saying? He's not delicious? Fine, fine. What's what's next? All right, the double story. All right. A fireball destroyed France today, and Gerald Ford is dead. (laughs) Now, what are the odds of that? Come on. Fine, look, fine. We'll get Stone Phillips to do it, okay? I'm sure Stone Phillips uh, will be just thrilled to break a story like that. All right, all right. Let's keep moving. Stunning news from Yorba Linda today as Richard Nixon's corpse climbed out of its grave and strangled Gerald Ford to death. But yeah, I think he's fantastic. And even now I really enjoy his episodes of Conan's podcast. Yep. Where they just kind of rap as um, John Lennon and Paul McCartney. That's awesome. That's where I heard is um, Jimmy Stewart arguing with a prostitute. Yes. I just want you to look at him. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> you look away for a second and then look back like you're shocked at it. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart is one of my absolute favorite actors, but Me also too. one of my v- my very favorite <laughs> impressions to go to as well there but it's it's a wonderful life of oh, i don't have your money it's a it's a built house and friend house. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good well as we mentioned in the past as well you're a, a very large hitchcock fan i am a hitchcock mm. fan and hitchcock was one of the first directors to number one put himself in the actual films uh, now you mm. have people do it all the time. Quentin Tarantino does it. 
M. Night Shyamalan and on and on does it. But he also reused casts a lot. And James Stewart or Jimmy Stewart is in some of the best movies that he's done. Your favorite, if I believe I'm correct, is Vertigo. Yep. He gets real Jimmy Stewart in that one as well. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So, hey, wait a minute. He's in Rear Window, which obviously heavily parodied in The Simpsons. See, that's my favorite. I love Rear Window, and and they've redone that. The beauty of that film is you're literally watching, it it might not sound that impressive now, but you're literally watching the whole movie from his window, and you're Mm. only seeing the lives of everyone else through their windows. And it might not be that genius now, but even still directors can't really pull something off like that. It's incredible. You have your opinion, and, and you're entitled to it. I just don't think it's right. <laughs> What's so different about it here from over there or any place you go that one person couldn't live in both places just as easily? Some people can, if you just let me what explain What is it for traveling you? from one place to another taking pictures? This is like being a tourist on an endless vacation. Okay, now that's your opinion. You're entitled to it. Now let me give you my It's side. ridiculous to say that it can only be done by a special private little group of anointed people. I made a simple statement. A, a, a true statement, but I'll, I can back it up if you just shut up for a minute. But if your opinion is as rude as your manner, I don't think I care to hear it. Oh, come on, I'll simmer down. Yeah. You, I can't fit in he, here, you can't fit in there. I mean, according to you, people should be born, live and die on the same spot. Shut up! Gross, there's a weird-looking kid looking at me. Now you get back here. He's also does in another of my absolute favorite films that we could technically cover on this podcast, uh, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance where it's him and John Wayne and Lee Van, Cle- Lee Van Cleef, might be Lee Marvin, as the uh, eponymous Liberty Valance. But again, in that, you get the, hi, hey, well, you can't just ride in a towel. you got to stand up to it. <laughs> yeah. Bellagram. Where are you going? I'm going home, Tom. I'm going back east where I belong. Valance couldn't make you run away. What is it now, Pilgrim? Your conscience? Isn't it enough to kill a man without trying to build a life on it? You talk too much. Think too much. Allie's your girl now. Go on back in there and take that nomination. You taught her how to read and write. Now give her something to read and write about. That's just a a tremendous film, shot in black and white. Oh, nice. Yeah, amazing. But Jimmy Stewart's super interesting dude anyway. Was a big movie star, fighter pilot in World War II, came back, no one really wanted to work for him. The director of It's a Wonderful Life took a chance on him, put him in this film that nobody wanted to see, and of course it's become an absolute classic, and it sort of revitalized his career a bit as well. Right. Um, But yeah, super duper interesting guy. Yeah. Jimmy Stewart. And there's a ton of movies we haven't even mentioned. North by Northwest is really good. Catch a Thief yep. is good. You know, that was the- That's Clark Gable, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I think, uh, yeah. Catch Thief is Clark Gable. That's right. North by Northwest is Jimmy Stewart, right? That's Cary Grant. Okay. Dial M for Murder? Come on. <laughs> uh, Dal- no. No. I do, I do love Dial M for Murder as well. That's one of my absolute favorites. I think he might have only done the two with Hitchcock. No, I definitely think he did another one because I remember the trailer for it. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. It's it's a Wonderful Life, Rear Window, Vertigo. I think he won an Oscar for Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. The Man, uh, the man Who Knew Too Much. Net, that's it. The Man Who Knew Too Much. Yep. Harvey, The Philadelphia Story. 
So the man who shot Liberty Valance. Anatomy of a Murder. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. Anatomy of a Murder. Yep. Yeah, fantastic. I don't know if I don't know if he'll ever come up again on the podcast. I'm sure given we're both big fans, he probably will. Yeah, we had to give him a little bit of time because we might not ever be able to squeeze him in. So um there's your moment. Christmas in Connecticut, I think he's in as well. Mm-hmm. Uh basically the first rom com ever made. And a lot of the tropes that you see in those movies now started off in that. Oh, he was in he was in Rope as well. Wasn't that Hitchcock? That was Hitchcock. Shout out Jimmy Stewart. Sadly not in this. I think he would have been a good grizzled captain instead of uh, Sandy McPeak, another fantastic name, who um, was in the Batman series with uh, Adam West and Burt Ward as the Giggler. Nice. Seven degrees of separation right there. Woo! <laughs> that is it. So we talked about this show being cancelled after 11 episodes. As this podcast, well, we've already done more than 11 episodes, so stick that up your ass, Blue Thunder. <laughs> You're saying we made it. Any other memorable cancelled shows for you? Yeah, I tend to like shows that get cancelled pretty quickly. I don't know what it is. I like shows that are a little more odd. Couple ones that jumped to mind, like I really liked Flight of the Concords. That only lasted two episodes. I don't know if you ever saw that. That was uh, HBO. Flight of the Concords had three seasons. I'm pretty sure. Oh, did it? You know what it probably was, and I can't really blame it too much for getting canceled because the first season was way better. I only thought it had two, but I'm going to say the first two seasons were way better than the third. Uh, so that's probably where it's at. Detroiters with Tim Robinson. That had two seasons. I never watched it, but I do love Tim Robinson. We are big Tim Robinson fans. Not trying to be funny. Not trying to get a laugh. I don't want anybody to have the worst day at their job. But do any of these fuckers ever blast out of the wall? And have like a huge cum shot. Yep, I think you should leave. It just gets me, man. That show is so funny. Best sketch comedy. I am holding out for a football-related sketch in some way. It's just an excuse to talk about it. Me and you, that's probably the biggest references off-air between <laughs> us, is I think you should leave. But even you look at things like, I guess, the, you know, a lot of these that I'm referencing have had two or three seasons i was a fan of the in-betweeners uh the Chappelle show yep that was only i believe one i think that was only one season maybe two you know what's interesting that i think about that just kind of hit me while i was thinking about this my so-called life it wasn't really a big impact for me mm-hmm. but a lot of people around me it was a big impact for like my sister really liked it and a lot of people i know that was one season yep And that blows my mind because it pops up in movies and shows all the time referencing Jordan Catalano and all that. So there have been a lot of shows that just kind of came and went. Are there any notable ones for you? I I don't know if The Inbetweeners really got cancelled again. That ran for three seasons, kind of just told the story. But Will from The Inbetweeners is another North London resident. I've eaten in the same restaurant as him and uh, he thought I was following him home which I was not. He just happened to live around the corner from me. <laughs> Fred. Oh, <laughs> that's such a great, that is such a great show. And I love the fact that Jay from the Between is just, I actually, I saw him in a play recently and he was really, really good as, um, as a, in a sort of serious role. I'd like to see all those guys do something. That show was such a, 
Such a good show. It really was. And in fact, actually, I saw um, uh, Simon Bird, who plays Will in a play as well. He was he was pretty good, but he just plays the same guy in everything. Sure. Uh, the first one that jumped to my mind was Carpoolers. I don't know if you ever saw it. It was starring Jerry O'Connell and TJ Miller, amongst others, uh, about four people who- This is one of these classics. Let's just put four random you know, people together in a situation and see how it, what happens. Ran for 13 episodes during one of the writer's strikes. Huh. And the writer's strike came to an end and they didn't pick it up for more. I really liked it. It had Jerry, yeah, as I say, Jerry O'Connell as the sort of divorced Lothario's wife. His wife took everything except his house and his abscissizer, his ex-wife, Joannifer. <laughs> you know, it had the, the newlywed who's too into his wife, the guy with too many kids, the the ma- uh, one of the main guys, his name escapes me, with the uh, grown-up son at home, T.J. Miller. It was just a just kind of a fun show, and it just didn't go anywhere. You know, never went off. Uh, went off the air. Uh, Stacked, starring Pamela Anderson and Christopher Lloyd, where she worked in a bookstore. I remember that vaguely, but I remember that now. Unsurprisingly, got cancelled. Wasn't very <laughs> good. Um, I saw it described as uh, where Cheers was the smart person surrounded by regular people. This was. Regular people. So was it smart? A smart person in a dumb place was Cheers, and this was a, a dumb person in a smart yeah. place. Steve Levitan, who created that, bounced back to then go on to create Modern Family. So he did okay for himself. And another one that I watched the pilot episode earlier this year it was cancelled in 1990, only lasted one episode, called Heil Honey, I'm Home, where it's about Adolf Hitler and Eva Braun living next door to a Jewish family. <laughs> And was described as the most tasteless show ever put to air. Yeah, I, I wonder why. It was apparently a, I guess, a parody of the kind of I Love Lucy era of TV show where, like, the biggest the biggest worry was, oh, the boss is coming around for dinner and dinner's not going to be cooked in time. Or, yeah. you know, you've got these kind of nutty characters, but, um, but Hitler. Um- <laughs> <laughs> so nutty. What did I do now? Oh, tonight you will make a schnitzel. What a joke. You must be real mad at me, honey. I'm a very, very bad Hitler. Come here, baby. Don't touch me. You've been late for your dinner every night this week. Ava, babe, please. I'm the Fuhrer. I'm a busy man. I can't just walk off the job at five o'clock. On Monday, you had to meet with Goebbels. On Tuesday, von Ribbentrop. On Wednesday, Klaus Katzenjammer. Who's Klaus Katzenjammer? He's my tailor. You should see the tucks, honey. You see, everyone's more important than Ava. Well, let me tell you something, Mr. Schicklegruber. You may be big stuff in Germany, but I knew you and you were just a house painter. It's the what single episode is available on YouTube. Sh- sure. <laughs> I, I got nothing. But uh, I think a lot of times when I think of shows, like all the ones I mentioned are like two or three seasons. And mostly for me, it's when shows get cut short. One of my favorite shows was Last Man on Earth. And... That went on for many seasons. I I don't even know how many, four maybe, three or four, mm-hmm. but they just cut it off at the last moment and it was a cliffhanger and it, there was no resolve. And I think a lot of times when I see that, that's it fills that void in me. I'm like, that show didn't make it. Why'd they cut it off? 
so stupid. Mm. Yeah, I get worked up about it. It's strange what takes off and what doesn't. As, as I said, I'm unsurprised that Blue Thunder here didn't. Um, should we get into this first episode? I suppose, yeah. Perhaps appropriately enough, the pilot. What really sticks out early on, there is so much stock footage and so much ADR in this. It's like it's been made with a stock footage library. Yep. I know they recycled some shots from the movie, but this is this is as generic as can be. I mean, the dialogue is bad. Some of the acting, if you, if you saw this in a school play, you would leave. Right. It's- so much stock footage and parts of it, for example, with the helicopter, you can see the guy in different color clothes than what mm. the team wears. I think they all wear like <laughs> blue. They wear like a blue jumpsuit and you'll see a guy with like a green jumpsuit flying the helicopter. And you're like, is this the same show that I'm watching here? Did someone get a blue thunder yeah. bad guy? I don't know. It's ridiculous. And we meet all the characters early on. Uh, we've got Bubba and Ski are always paired together. Bubba's sort of the the nerd, and Ski is the, I guess the the muscle. Yeah, I mean they're both really the muscle. They're part of Rolling Thunder, the ground support team for Blue Thunder, and and they're always teamed up on various adventures. They are ex NFL players. They are <laughs> yes <laughs> within the auspices of the show as well. Yeah, they constantly. Number one, I'm going to say this. I think they're actually a good team together. They almost exclusively are always together. If there's a little side thing that's going on, it'll be those two off doing that side thing or a mix Mm. of the other plays. But they're always together. And probably like 50 to 75% of their jokes are football related. So that's a little not, at least from... Well, I guess I can't say that from what I watched, because I've only seen two and a half episodes. So, but there was a (laughs) lot of football jokes from those two in that. The first, the first being when you're introduced to Blue Thunder, the helicopter, both Bubba and Ski sit down in the audience that they're presenting it to. And it's a high, it's a high council of sense. It's like the mayor and some other people, some military people there, and they're doing this demonstration and they're trying to show how the helicopter has high pitched hearing equipment. And so they have Ski, which is Butkus, tell the mayor what's the last football game he played in. And he leans over and he said, it was Bears over Colts, 35-17. Butkus played for the Bears. And then Bubba Smith Bears. And Bubba Smith jumps in and goes, The Bears didn't beat the Colts that year. There's no way. They, they didn't beat him at all. And Bubba Smith played for the Colts. So it was like a nice little joke. And then Pilot's like, Well, I had money on that game, and I do remember the the Bears beat the Colts 35-17. I had a small wager on that man. That game. I lost my house and my wife to that game. <laughs> <laughs> And now I'd like to introduce Officers Batowski and Kelsey. You may recognize these two gentlemen, for they knocked some heads around in the NFL before they joined our force. Would you please whisper to Senator Martin the score of the last game you played in in the NFL? Bears over the Colts, 35-17. No way, the Bears didn't beat the Colts that year. Be a little argument over this one, but I happen to have a small bet on that game, and I remember it. Bears 35, Colts 17. 
that scene really cracked me up because, as you say, they're proving the capabilities, and this is supposed to prove the high-tech hearing power. They're up in Blue Thunder and- Butkus just whispers it. One of the other things they get to do is to test the camera and they ask the senator to pull out his business card and they read it from the helicopter. And the senator's phone number is 5554321. That's <laughs> just like you couldn't you couldn't come up with anything better oh, than yeah. that. You don't even have to find seven numbers, you just have to find four. Whatever. <laughs> four three two one. I'm done. I'm going on break. Smoke break. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, if we put one, two, three, four, people will be suspicious. People can't count backwards. And they went through the effort to actually make the business card. He literally pulls out a business card. So they mm. went through the effort to print this business card and not the effort to just come up <laughs> with a couple different numbers. It's just ridiculous. Ridiculous. The rough plot of this is um I don't know. Look at it's yeah. been a while since I watched it from memory. There's there's a a local villain who has some connection to um, knock off yep. De Niro's character. They got history and I think he's, oh no, what they did, they're flying. There's a lot of airborne, as you would <laughs> imagine, there's a lot of airborne combat, but for just a normal city, there's a lot of airborne combat. Sure. <laughs> like every, every bad guy has a plane right. or a helicopter. In the second episode, the guy has like a World War II plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But in this one, there's this high-tech stealth plane that's been shooting police helicopters out of the sky. Yes. Yeah, and there was a vengeance thing there. I don't know. It's hard for me to grasp. But I'm going to be honest with you. The pilot episode didn't really grab much of my attention. I much rather enjoyed the next episode that we watched. That one, to me, just had a little more, I don't know, plot. I'm just going to say plot. In general. <laughs> I agree. I think what is notable in the pilot episode, we get people shooting a high-tech plane with handguns. Yes. The fantastic line from uh, Butkus and Bubba are arguing, and Butkus is getting angrier and angrier, and he yells at him, I'm one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. You've just got to get to know me, which I thought was quite funny. Yeah, real angry. Hey, this is in the sports car. Who's the driver, you or me? Look, friend. We're going to be working together now. So try and keep your temper, okay? What temper? You got a mean streak a mile wide. That's a bad rap that was laid on me in football. You used to bite people. That's a rotten lie. Look, I'm one of the nicest guys you'll ever want to meet. You just got to get to know me, that's all. We get Bubba lifting a car again, like he does in Police Academy. Interesting that this does predate Police Academy. I don't know if he was cast on the strength of this. That's interesting. It might have been in production around similar time. Yeah. Maybe Police Academy threw a reference to it. Who knows? We also get the first of Missile Cam, which pops up in two of the three episodes we watched. It looks like it's a cut, like a cutout of a missile taped on top of the camera. <laughs> right. And the camera sort of pans around and the missile is, is in shot the whole time because it's taped onto the camera. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it seems like- Bad engineering, really, to say the least. <laughs> they fire a missile and they they fly around for like a good two minutes trying to evade this. I'm not really a weapons guy. I imagine that missiles generally would run out of puff ahead of time. Yep. Did you ever have one of those remote control helicopters? I feel like they were all the rage around 2014. Yeah. So I worked for a web company then and 
we had two of them and we would send one down. We would try to get them up and down the stairs and into people's office or if people had a conference room. It wasn't exactly a startup company, but it was a little more than a startup company. So we still had, we had like video games in there, arcade machines, and we would fly these dumb helicopters around. And then we got to the point where we would try to slam them into each other to stop the other helicopter. <laughs> It was a lot of fun. <laughs> I got one for a work uh, in like a work. What do you call Secret Santa White Elephant Gift Exchange, which I was pretty happy with. Like that's yeah. a pretty good gift. It's a great gift. Yeah. The, the we had got this at our work lunch, and then we all went out afterwards to an open bar event. And I wasn't keen to get the helicopter out, and the CEO, super duper nice guy, comes up to me and goes, "Look, Shane, why don't you get that helicopter out and we can all have a go." All right, Neil, like, what am I going to say? You're the CEO of the company. <laughs> right. your, your name's on the door, as they say right. in uh, in suits. Let's, you know, we'll get the helicopter out. He takes the control off me. Like, get unpackage it. We're all quite merry at this point. Unpackage it. He goes, you know, I've always wanted one of these, but I'm not sure the wife would approve. So he takes the controller out of my hand and immediately slams it as fast as he can into the wall <laughs> and breaks it. <laughs> and he goes- like claps me on the shoulder and goes, oh, I'm sorry about that, Sheen. It's uh, that's a real shame. And then just walks off. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. He was a good dude. Shout out to um Yeah. Neil. Yeah. But yeah, that was the short-lived history of my remote control helicopter. You didn't even get to use I, it. I know. <laughs> Straight into the wall. Oh, that's brutal. Brutal. <laughs> Before we um, transition into the second episode, which I will say I enjoyed a lot more as well, I think on the on the whole, do we want to rate the pilot on our scale? I'm going to give it undrafted. Yeah, yeah, undrafted. Yeah, honestly, I think it'd be undrafted in the Canadian league. It it was bad. Yeah, it was not good. Honestly, if we could have a different logo, it would probably just be the silhouette of Dick Butkus. Because he's come up in almost half of our podcast, maybe more. <laughs> and I would love, love in my dreams to get him on the show one day. But sorry, Dick, this show, just, it just didn't do it. Not through any fault of him and Bubba. I thought he and Bubba were quite, quite good. They certainly had chemistry. And in fact- all the actors, I think, did a really good job with some really shoddy dialogue. I don't think it's their fault that this flop. I agree. Yeah, I will say that. I think everyone handled their role really well. As I mentioned earlier, uh, Dick and Bubba, I liked seeing them on screen together. Yeah. And I liked their interactions together. It was just the plots were so subpar that really that's what was, it couldn't be saved. Like they were clearly mates as well. Yep. You could tell they got on. They sort of got on well with Carvey. Like, it was it was fun. Do you have any favorite movies that have been remade as TV shows or, or vice versa? I know there's a lot that have gone the other way. I didn't even bother making a list of them. I can't think of any right offhand. How about you? Well, a couple. We, we've already hit Police Academy. Yep. Going the other way, Police Squad obviously became the Naked Gun. Friday Night Lights, which we will hit at some point. Yes. Yep. And I don't- Have you seen the movie Friday Night Lights? I've neither seen the movie nor the TV show, so. What's funny is I've seen the TV show and not the movie, which is kind of rare for it to go the other way. What We Do in the Shadows? Big fan of What We Do in the Shadows. That's, as of right now, that's probably one of my top shows that's airing. I don't watch a ton of TV or streaming TV, but that show is hilarious. 
we have been invited to a highly exclusive event. We will be spending this Sunday evening at our neighbor Sean's superb owl party. Vampires have huge respect for owls. One, they're nocturnal. Two, they're predators. And three, they don't give a hoot where they dump their scat. The party we're going to is celebrating the superb owl, who is the greatest owl of all time. Do you think we're going to get to touch its little beak? Depends what mood he's in. Yeah, I know it's a Super Bowl party, but I tried to correct them and they wouldn't listen. That's the owl's egg. Also, I didn't try all that hard. I do love Matt Berry of What We Do in the Shadows fame as opposed to uh, TMR. I loved him as Stephen Toast in Toast of London. That is one of the all-time funny shows as far as I'm concerned. Toast of Tinseltown, not so good, but I do love Matt Berry. MASH on the list, which has come up previously. The TV show, very different to the movie. Yep. We talked about Spear Chucker Jones in our National Football League Extraordinary Gentleman episode. James Bond Jr. Do you ever remember that watching that cartoon? I don't. It wasn't good. I imagine it wouldn't be. There was also a spinoff of Indiana Jones. Young, Young Indiana, Indiana Jones. Jones. <laughs> Do you remember that? Which- Honestly, I watched when I was really young. I don't really remember it, but it hit its target audience. I've always been a big fan of Indiana Jones, so that one hit for me. I remember a lot of those kind of Disney cartoons. I know Indiana Jones isn't that. It is now, but wasn't back then. You get those on morning TV alongside like the Aladdin cartoon or the Lion King cartoon or those sorts of spin-offs from the movies. Um, the Dead Zone, I remember watching based on a Stephen King book and based on a movie from the 80s. And then I really like the film. I've not seen much of the show. Westworld. That's another one where I've seen the show, which I really enjoy and have not seen the movie. The movie, just okay. The book certainly deviates in its own ways. And I kind of liked it and hated a lot of it at the same time. It was around that same time as you got like Sherlock and Supernatural and whatever, where you had like Tumblr people ruining it for everyone. And that's Hannibal. Yes. Big fan of those books. Yep. And I, I really enjoyed some of the things they did with the character. Mads Mikkelsen is excellent. Hugh Dancy's excellent. But it certainly got a bit up its own ass. Yeah, agreed. That was a good show, though. I got turned on to that late in the game, but I was pleasantly surprised. It definitely had- Great acting, a very, it had a almost a darker element than you get from the movies. Mm, it was very, um, very sexual. Yeah, it was, it was sexual and there were things that were just kind of disturbing in the sense that they were pushing you into the mind of Hannibal. Mm. And to me, that's more impressive. Like you almost, you didn't want him to get caught or hurt or die and at the same time he's doing these horrific things and you're right right along there with him so i thought that they executed that really well <laughs> executed <laughs> but unfortunately would they make four or five seasons not a decent recipe no that was a bit of a shame episode two that we watched this is not episode two this is episode five of the show it's called trojan horse my first note for this there is a lot of serious weaponry in this show you see it more in the next episode where there's a gunfight with a bazooka. <laughs> yeah. There's like proper weaponry. It's like a public school. It's hardcore. Right. This episode starts with Blue Thunder rescuing a kidnapped witness. Supposedly had been kidnapped for three weeks. Not a scratch or a hair out of place on her. No. Yeah, she looked fine. She looked done up considering they didn't know she was going to get rescued by Blue Thunder that day. And Bubba Smith, when he 
came up against the two people that were holding her hostage. He pushed them each down with one hand and then just talked to the lady. I thought that was um, not really the way you apprehend criminals, but I get it. It's cool. Yeah. And he says, I feel like Sir Galahad. Weird reference. Um, Sir Galahad. Weird. The finder of the Holy Grail in the Arthurian legend. There we go. There's another tie back. Yep. Yeah. I'm not sure why he went with Galahad. Obviously, the, the purest knight. Maybe that would be why. The concept of this episode is a some sort of villain goes to jail. I loved how he teed yep. off at the jury in his post-trial press conference, <laughs> where somehow he got found guilty but taken out the front steps of the court to then face the press. That's I'm going to call that soft challenge flag. Okay. I like that. I like that. And they ask him something like, uh, you know, how you feel being found guilty by a jury of your peers. Weird question to ask. Yeah. Obviously, probably not that great about it. And his reply is, these aren't my peers. This is a jury of morons. <laughs> Frank, the main guy, Poundland De Niro, assumes that he's going to escape yes. on his way to this prison, which is either maximum security or minimum security, depending on who you ask. I would say from the TV show itself, it was very minimum security, disguised as a maximum security. Yeah, the bad guy was your classic rich 80s villain. I think he'd swindled him out of a pension fund or something. Yeah, that's right. He was taking them from a bunch of different people and our characters were so angry about it. They had to stop this guy and it's cool. So they wanted to put Bubba Smith and, oh, I'm sorry, what's his name in this? It's Bubba something. Let's say Bubba and Ski. (laughs) Bubba Kelsey and Richard Ski Butkowski. So great. So both of those guys are going to impersonate an inmate and a guard to get close to this criminal in jail. Now, bear in mind, these are two notable ex-NFL players within the auspices of the Correct. show as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's- <laughs> No one recognizes them. No one. It's, it's never a plot point, again, in any of the episodes we watch. They only reference it to each other, and that's it. No one ever brings it up. Bad choices. Bad choices. You don't take two stars- I mean, I'm not saying, yeah, they're star actors, but they're stars in the show. So why are Mm. you going to send them in as your undercover operatives? With that said, I quite enjoyed their interactions through all that. They are quite good. It was probably my favorite part of the episode. They were arguing on who should be the prisoner and who wanted to be the cop. No one wanted to be the prisoner. Bubba's like, I'm bigger than you. And it was just, it was a whole thing. And then Bubba, as the cop, was roughing up dick butkus in front of the prisoners to get him prison cred and get him close to this guy that whole scene i thought was real fun they were just kind of like they'd fight and then they'd get next to each other and bob was like take it easy all right and he's like we got to give him a show (laughs) they're definitely trying to hit each other yeah for sure and very excited by the prospect in front of all these prisoners who look like extras from a Billy Joel music video. Yeah, I am i don't think prison looks like that these days. Maybe the 80s. I doubt it, though. <laughs> so, Butkus tries to get close to the, the villain Lassiter, and he tells him what their plan is, that they're going to get Butkus to start a riot of sorts, and in the bus... Lassiter is going to sneak out in the laundry trolley. Every single 80s movie. I don't know what they were doing with laundry in the 80s, but that was the number one way to get 
out of jail is to go through the laundry. I hope they've clamped down on that. I hope so as well. So Blue Thunder, they're keen to pick up Lassiter once he escapes so he can be moved to a maximum security prison and really get what's coming to him. They're out chasing the laundry truck and Butkus is still in prison and he's saying to one of the guards, I need to speak to the warden. I shouldn't be here anymore. And he sees Lassiter still in prison. Right. And he's like, what the hell is going on here? He has a microphone secreted in his collar. So he starts talking to Blue Thunder. Secreted. And it turns out- <laughs> secreted. In his- um- it's, a, it's a very aggressive word for a microphone. It was. Secreted in his collar. Blue Thunder chases the laundry truck. They look inside. They can see someone's inside using their infrared cameras. They stop the truck. There's a bit of a shootout. Oh, I forgot to mention- They try to um, bust this bad guy out earlier on his transfer to prison in what I'm pretty sure is the same valley where Gus gets kidnapped. Right on. Yeah, (laughs) it did look very similar. (laughs) It turns out they're on to Bubba and Butkus and Bubba's in the back of the van, the laundry van. It's all a ruse to get Blue Thunder out of the way because a helicopter lands in the yard and the bad guy Lassiter kidnaps Ski and takes him onto this helicopter. Yeah, it was a- misdirection and the title of this episode was called trojan horse so kind of fits yeah it was a real switcheroo i didn't see it coming at all me neither i i felt given i had a fair understanding this was just going to be they'll track it down there'll be a shootout and then there's going to be some sort of air battle and and that'll be that there was an air battle of course (laughs) between blue thunder and another helicopter because a kidnapped police helicopter lands in the prison yard to rescue lassiter and and the kidnapped ski now this is based on a real thing that happened. In Dublin in 1973, some members of the IRA stole a helicopter, landed it in a prison yard, and escaped with a bunch of IRA um, soldiers who were doing time in a Dublin prison. Get out. I didn't know that. Mm. I should know that. I researched the show. It's the, uh, the Mountjoy prison helicopter escape. Wow. That's wild. Did they get away with that? One of them was on the run for four years. Hmm. It's not bad. So, yeah, Butkus is kidnapped in the back of the helicopter. Blue Thunder goes to shoot down the helicopter. The bad guy says, hey, we got hostages. They don't realize it's Butkus till Butkus gets on the microphone that he has secreted in his collar. But he's he's not even trying to whisper. And he's right next to them as well. He's like, I'm hidden in the back. They think I'm out. And they're like, yeah. (laughs) Butkus has to do some maneuver. Yeah, that was a weird move. They told him- pull the fuel line out and he's in the back of the helicopter and he goes to the front and somehow has to pull the fuel line from under the dashboard where everyone is. Mm. So he rushes in and pulls it. It seemed just kind of strange, but it's blue thunder, baby. Yeah. That's how they roll. Forget it, Justin. It's blue thunder. (laughs) Their helicopter comes down or it explodes or something and and justice is served. Well, no, hold on. The helicopter comes down. Dick Butkus gets thrown around. The bad guys come down. Blue Thunder lands, and they have on this. It's a it's a Gatlin mm. gun. It's a giant gun with barrels that spins around. And the bad guy ha- comes out. He has his pistol aimed at the helicopter, and a little tiny thing comes out of the Gatling gun, and that's where they shoot his hand and knock the gun away. Yep. Oh, Blue Thunder, what what will you do next? Really the fifth character in the show, Blue Thunder. Final scene, they're all around at um, Pocket De Niro's house for dinner, and Butkus and Bubba Smith are saying, we can't wait to eat something, this is our first day out of jail. They served us mac and cheese two meals a day for every day that we're- or twice a day every day that we're in there. 
and Pocket De Niro comes back from the uh, the kitchen, opens up his casserole dish and what's in it but mac and cheese. This got a genuine laugh out of me. <laughs> from from Dana Garvey. Yeah, his character told him that that's, that was their favorite meal. Yep. So he tried to do a little, well, fellas, I gotta go. <laughs> and they both grabbed him. And this happens a lot in the show. They, they both pick him up and just carry him. Yep. It happens at least three times in the episodes we watched, <laughs> once an episode. And they put him down and then they're like, hope you're hungry because you got two pounds of mac and cheese you're going to eat. De Niro's not in on the joke, so... They're, they're all enjoying it. But yeah. That's a, it was good fun. I thought it was a nice ending. And this was, I thought, was a pretty solid episode. I still think the show's shit. Sure, yeah. But this was a, a better episode. Yep. And it was better than I expected it to be. Me too. Yeah, the twist was there. I thought the prison scene was fun. It was one of the better episodes that we watched. Yeah, for sure. And I mentioned throwing a soft challenge flag. Do you have any challenge flags from the episode or, or the, the show so far? Yeah, I mean, in the show, my big challenge flag is this, and just ride this with me. Blue Thunder has all these different buttons that it can do. So one of them is infrared. Another one is high hearing sensitivity. And one that they use constantly before they go into any kind of situation is silent mode. Mm. And they click it, and then they'll show the propeller, and they'll t- the volume goes down. So (laughs) number one thing that bothers me is even stealth helicopters, that is loud. That's super, super loud. And there's no way in physics really to cut. You can cut down on the sound, but to carry a helicopter, it's going to be loud. Now, granted, this is a show. Love James Bond. That kind of stuff's in it all the time. But if you have that technology... Why do you have a silent mode button? Why is it not just <laughs> silent? Like, yep. Why do you have to turn on being silent? Just be silent all the time. Just design it that way. There's a. It might be a Batmobile. It might be like a bat plane or so. I think it's a bat plane uh-huh. where it has silent mode and no one can hear it. And then he has loud mode so people can hear him coming and be scared. I wonder if that's it. That makes more sense with Batman. But I'm with. I'm with you. Why don't they make the whole plane out of the black box? <laughs> yeah, exactly. If the black box always survives, make the whole plane out of the black box. Yeah, but that's just, it just doesn't make sense. And they do it they do it every episode multiple times. It's like, "All right, we're going in." They hit the silent mode, then you get the screenshot of the Every time. So we're watching this like three times an episode, four times an episode. Just make the the planes or the helicopter silent if you could, which you can't. So uh, it is what it is. And I I really struggle with challenge flags because this is the show itself is so ridiculous and it's hard to pick holes within the conceit of the show because the idea is that there's this this super helicopter and I've already mentioned the just sheer amount of air battles. Yep. There's a joke in The Simpsons where they're watching Night Boat <laughs> and the Night Boat is chasing villains on land. And Bart's like, there's always a fjord or a canal or a river every week. <laughs> it feels a lot like that. We now return to Night Boat, the crime solving boat. Faster, Night Boat. We've got to catch those starfish poachers. You don't have to yell, Michael. I'm all around you. Oh, no, the headed for land. 
We'll never catch him now. Incorrect. Look, a canal. Oh, night boat, go! Oh, every week there's a canal. Or an inlet. Or a fjord. Quiet! I will not hear another word against the boat. That's a, a really, really good reference. <laughs> it is like that. And overall with the show, I mentioned it with Dana Carvey's character. That really can sum up the whole show. The helicopter, if you're going to do stuff like that, really do stuff like that. You know, go, go gadget, mm. that helicopter. It it wasn't enough to impress me. It's like, okay, you got a Gatling gun in silent mode and you can hear things. It it just wasn't, it wasn't Kit from Knight Rider. It didn't talk. There was just, if you're going to go that you have this crazy machine, James Bond it. Make it super crazy. Make it turn into a yeah. submarine or something like that. You know, do something wild. But it just wasn't enough. I didn't see it pick up anything. No. Like it should have had like a grabby arm. Exactly. Do something with it. It just wasn't enough. Just the characters weren't enough. The plot wasn't enough. And the main point of the show, it just wasn't enough. Sure, it might have lasted for two hours in a movie, but making a series on it, I could see where the shine is off the apple after episode two. Definitely. And good thing we watched a third episode of this. Before we get into that, I've got a new segment for us. And this is maybe something we should have thought about when we started this. And what's that's the what's the best football moment within this? Maybe we'll come up with a better name for it over the coming weeks, but- for now, that's what it's called. What What do you think is the best football moment in? Unfortunately, I think I kind of already blew it with telling that football joke. Like that was my favorite mm. football reference. That it'd be that or um, Butkus when he's talking on his secreted uh, microphone refers to um, Pocket De Niro as coach and then says, all right, let's blitz him before he tackles the controls of the helicopter that he's kidnapped in. Yep. That was the only other one I could think of. But you're right. I think it's the the little in-joke between the bears and the Colts. Yep. And there was another scene where Bubba referenced a blitz as well. It was the guy running mm. away and Butkus is like, what happened? He's like, he looks like he's about to run a blitz. So there were mm, little yeah. kind of tiny jokes like that throughout. There was a, a surprisingly large amount of football jokes, which makes sense. You have two football stars. They're always together. But that joke about the score was pretty good. They did do a lot of it was almost the opposite of who's tougher, where they would always accuse each other of being the meaner one. And that was a running gag that I felt they could have amped up more where he's like, you're the mean one. You know, you referenced the one earlier. That joke kept repeating throughout the show and it would flip flop between them. It was it was pretty good. Yep. Now, the third episode we watched was called Payload. The conceit of this one is there's a um, some sort of research going on that's going to stop bacterial weapons from affecting genes. Good news. Doesn't happen that way anyway. Right. It's a lot of money being spent on nothing. <laughs> Villain in this one is a guy who wants to continue to sell biological weapons to Cuba. And he and his cronies try and take down Blue Thunder because it's Blue Thunder. It's Blue Thunder. It's the world's enemy if you're a bad guy. There's really two interesting parts of this episode, and we both talked about this off, but we didn't really watch it. It wasn't a great episode compared to the other. In fact, it was it was pretty ordinary. It features George Gaines, Commandant Lassard from Police Academy, as Willie Von Hartig, the designer of Blue Thunder. Yeah. I was half expecting a joke uh, of him and Bubba Smith where he's like, oh, you look familiar. Right. But this pre, as I say, this predates Police Academy when I looked it up. So not that 
But it's a shame then in police academy, I'd get you'd make you'd look good in a helicopter. <laughs> right. Yeah, they definitely should have referenced that. Did a callback. He looks just out of it completely. Yes. He does. Yeah, throughout the episode, which I guess we'll we'll dive into it, but he's hypnotized and it really works yep. for his character because he just seems completely floaty the whole i guess he always kind of does he kind of did in police academy so maybe that's just his his acting style i don't know he's just a confused old man like <laughs> yeah i don't know if he knows he's an actor it's shades of um uh, harry osborne's butler from spider-man 3 if you've ever seen those outtakes <laughs> for sure <laughs> just a conf- just a confused old man <laughs> <laughs> There is so much ADR in this episode. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Wavy screens, the hypnotizing with the music. I had almost felt 60s vibe in an 80s. I, I don't know. It was uh, It was bad. It was bad. It was kind of shades of Mugatu brainwashing uh, Zoolander. Yeah. <laughs> you have to kill the Prime Minister of Malaysia. <laughs> <laughs> Obey my dog. The two saving graces of the Lassard, he's not called Lassard, Willie Von Hartig in this. He has a brilliant vintage MG. Yeah, it is nice. And we get what I'm going to consider to be good screenwriting Chekhov's Loop de Loop, where he's trying to get him to. I mean, this is hugely forecast that you see him, he's telling um, De Niro, I, I should have learned his name, Frank something, Frank Cheney. That he can do a loop-de-loop in Blue Thunder. He's like, no, nah, I can't do it. I can't push it to the edge like that, you <laughs> mutt, you dog. And he's like, no, you got to believe in yourself. You can do it. And then obviously in the the chase that caps off the episode, he does the loop-de-loop and it, it saves the day. The more interesting plot in this, I thought, Dick Butkus's character he puts an ad in the singles <laughs> yeah. pages. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. What's that? <laughs> singles Bazaar? The one with nothing but personals? Let me see that. Hey, what's that one he has circled in red? Listen to this, listen to this. Share my heart. By day, a trim young justice systems professional. By night, I become a hand-holding romantic, a people lover, a gentle persuader. One who loves a candlelight gourmet feast, vintage Chardonnays, and a good book. If you're a like-minded sophisticate, ready for midnight in my hot tub, you owe it to yourself to dial Richard at 555-3912. That's Key's number, but who's the fruitcake in that? Gentle persuader, hand-holding romantic, share my heart. Trim. Hey, I told him to stay away from controlled substances. That's all I could do. The last good book Ski read was probably by Bruce Lee. I know, poor Yo-Yo probably thinks this ad's gonna have women breaking down his door. Probably won't get one call. Hey, wait a minute. No way. No way, man. If he ever finds out we've been messing around in his desk, we're going to end up as cat food. Bubba, are you seriously suggesting to me that we could pass up something like this? You're right. We owe it to ourselves. (laughs) Yeah! And, um... Bubba and Carvey and JJ, who we haven't really talked about, the uh, the one female character in the show, prank him or try to prank him by teeing him up for a threesome. <laughs> yeah, that was the best part. Yeah, I do. Some of Carvey's pranks are good. Again, it's kind of 
not enough typically, but this one, this one was entertaining. So they, they say to him, they get JJ to call and be like, oh, is that Richard? Me and my friend, when I really meet you, we'll come to yours and hang out in your hot tub. We'll meet you when we finish at the bunny yeah. bar. And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ooh. Dick Butkus. I'm going to give Dick Butkus. <laughs> and it turns out. At the end of the episode, Buckers is on it. Or they try and set him up with like two blow up dolls. Yeah. <laughs> and he's onto him all the way. Yeah. And he says, I'd like you to meet someone. I'd like you to meet a friend of mine. And in comes this early 80s babe with a perm and surprisingly low cut top. And like, uh, Richard's a very sensitive man and Carvey and Barbara left with egg on their face. But I did oh, like how Buckers says, I'm going to show her blue thunder. Then we're going to go back to her place, which definitely sounds like <laughs> he's going to show her, uh, oh, yeah. show her dick Buckus. <laughs> oh, yeah. Strong induendo there. That's blue thunder. That's blue thunder. I wish I had more to say about it, honestly. It's just, it is what it is. Full disclosure. I was falling asleep on that last episode. My eyelids were extremely heavy. I closed my eyes through part of it. That's why I honestly don't have much to say on the third one. But it just wasn't very good. It was nice to see our friends. We've talked about them enough. (laughs) It was nice to see our friends. (laughs) We've talked about them enough that Dick Butkus and Bubba Smith are our friends now. And that was nice. And it was Hmm. surprising to see Dana Carvey. I had no idea going into yeah, it. Yeah, I, I didn't either. Um, I mean, obviously I did because I found it, but prior to finding it, I had no idea the show existed. Yeah, I, I kind of scattered through the last one as well. It's This show is very formulaic. There's a a villain of some description and something happens, and Blue, and Blue Thunder saves, saves the day against another plane. Yeah. Air fight, Dana Carvey prank, two jokes about football- and being mean between uh, Butkus and Bubba. And that's your episode. And then you just you swap out the villain and the plot. Yeah, it's pretty much Blue Thunder. Where, where are you rating this as a TV show on our scale? So I, I like to get into my ratings a little bit. There's really not too, too much here. I think the characters weren't very well developed. I did like the actors that were in it. I like Dana Carvey. I like Dick Butkus. I like Bubba Smith. You know, the plots were were hard for me to watch. I do think that there is something nostalgia about it. It does give me that A-team vibe with just not as good writing. It reminds me of a show my dad might have watched back in the day. So there is like some sort of comfort there. For me personally, it's undrafted. If you do like that sort of thing, I could see it being a seventh round. I don't think it's going to be something that most people stick with. I mean, one season, I get why. So officially undrafted. How about you? This is clearly undrafted. As you say, like if you're into these shows, like uh, I guess Rockford or TJ Hooker or the A-Team or MacGyver or Airwolf or Streethawk, you know, watch any of them. Watch any yep. of them. Particularly MacGyver. <laughs> I don't have. I don't think there's any redeeming qualities to this other than, as I say, the performances are quite good, but it's not worth watching for that. If you like Dana Carvey, you know what? Go and watch SNL's Best of Dana Carvey. If you want to see more Bubba Smith, 100%. watch Police Academy. If you want to watch, see more Dick Butkus, watch Gus. Watch Gus. Last but not least, and I did mention this, uh, and neither of us did it. Remakes are all the rage, mm-hmm. and we get, we'll do this off the cuff. Yep. Flying by the seat of our pants, if you will. If you had to recast, you were remaking this today. 
who would be your your pocket De Niro, your Clinton Wonderlove? Another f- fantastic name. We've probably <laughs> not given that enough. Pop. Yeah. And your your Bubba and your Ski. So I think the formula has to be: you've got the the leading man with charisma, the funny guy, and two ex football players. Let's start with the ex football players. Who do you think you'd be putting in there? Well, it depends if we're making a good show or a bad show. If we're making a campy show, I could definitely see Grunk being one of the guys there. Yep. But it would have to be campy because we've talked about it before in our Family Guy podcast or just even the commercials. It's Rob Gronkowski. (laughs) He would not be able to pull off a smooth show at all. I don't think he's quite good enough, but he's exactly that sort of person who you would, you'd have this, this would be maybe not their first foray into TV, but like not far off it. I think maybe like, I know he's still, he's not retired yet. JJ Watt. Yep. I could see being in this sort of role. Absolutely. Yeah. He would make a good tough guy that could probably deliver some of the lines as well. That would be a good one. I don't know if he'd play well with Gronk, but you know what? Let's pair let's pair him up, Gronk and JJ. We could do that. I could see maybe a Ray Lewis in that role too, as one of those guys. There's a surprise. Um <laughs> just because he can be he can be funny. I could just see him in that that vibe of those those two kind of bouncing off. But yeah, got to bring Ray into it. You need the size. Lewis definitely has that element to it. I think if you got maybe like a a re a repurposed defensive lineman, maybe like a I tell you what, maybe like Gronk and Pat McAfee. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Two real dickheads. Particularly if Gronk was if he was the smart one in the show. Oh, that would that'd be too hard to pull off. <laughs> it's not on brand. It's not on brand at all. <laughs> No, not at all. Who? So, who's your who's your lead in this? Oh, geez, I haven't really even thought it through. It's got to be someone kind of famous enough, but not a movie star. Someone you might see on TV. I could see maybe like a Justin Throw in that role, something like that. Like someone that's not super popular, but good looking and charismatic. You know, kind of cool. He he might be too. I was thinking maybe like Charlie Cox okay. from Daredevil. He's about that level of famous. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And and for your funny guy. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't know who you got. I'm going to go with another SNL alum. I'm going to go with Chris Red. I think very funny, very charismatic, could pull off the the cool role, bounce off the, the other guys. In fact, if this was being made 10 years ago, one of Bubba or Ski would be Terry Crews. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Terry Crews would be good. And I think Chris Red's a good call there, too, because I could see him in that role where he's doing pranks and he's got the cool guy vibe. Uh, Yeah, I could see that for sure. Terry Crews might make a good lead, but he's probably a bit big. That size wise, I think you need someone who's a bit more, yep. a bit lither. Oh, that's interesting. But I think any of those would really work for a modern show. I'm not really sold on the lead part of it, but I haven't even thought it through. And I, honestly, it's just going to be, no, me not it's that. just going to be your really, your typical lead guy. You need a tough guy, not super strong. He's not the muscle, but a strong, silent type that, we got to get this done. We got to get the job right. Like that sort of thing. Yeah, you could put anyone in there, really. But maybe Milo Ventimiglia is about the right level of famous. Mm-hmm. 
you know, good looking, could lead a show. Yeah, somewhere in there. You know, not incredibly famous. Yeah, that sounds about right. Chris Red is the young guy. I mean, you could you could even believe this would be really pushing the boat out. Cast a woman in one of these major roles. I could see, yeah, casting a lead woman for the the leader of the group as well. Again, just like a ball buster, you know, kind of keeps mm. the um, the grunk and the Chris Red in line. And whoever we have for our other, well, <laughs> whoever's our other guy. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I could, I could see that. I would not watch this show even if I made it. No, it should not be redone. And we're talking into the void here because the show should stay where it's at. I really don't have any interest in watching the movie either. From the trailer, it just, it didn't look interesting to me. And then seeing what this show did with it, maybe it's a disservice. Maybe the movie's good, but. No, I'm I'm undrafting everything that is blue and has thunder in it from here on out. No blue. 100% with you there. I'm sure we're going to come back to the film the shared filmography of Bubba Smith and Dick Butkus for sure when we cover Half Nelson, a, another show from the another cop show from the 80s only lasted 9 episodes this time, uh but starring uh, I'm going to get an almost an all-star cast. Joe Pesci, ooh, Dean Martin, ooh, ex NFL player Fred Williamson. Oh, right on, cool. Who also played Spear Chucker Jones in Mash. Right on. Uh, SNL alum and uh, weirdo right winger Victoria Jackson <laughs> and uh, and Bubba and Dick. So we'll we'll come back to this at some point, I imagine, and um, be equally as underwhelmed as we have been with Blue Thunder. Yeah. So with that in mind, tell the good people where they can find you. So you can find me on Twitter at Justin underscore B, or you can check me out on my website. If you want to see some design work or web or need web work, that's Justin dash B.com. That's it. <laughs> and if you want to get in touch with the show, you can email us. We are screen you later at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at screenpasspodcast. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Sheehan Solo. Can follow 32-bit on Twitter at 32-bit. Subscribe, rate, review, all of those good things. We will catch you next time. And Justin, screen you later. Silent mode. <laughs> it's all I, it's all I had.